who you were in your lost condition is no longer who you are. So what could have been said about you in your lostness, God has removed that. You are not spiritually blind. You are not a spiritual slave. You are not held captive by inborn ignorance. You are not haters of God anymore. It, it can no longer be said of you. Remember, Jesus says, why do you not receive my words? Because you can't. Because you can't. Before the Lord saved you, you could not submit yourself to God's words. You couldn't hear them. You didn't receive them. You didn't obey them. You didn't love Him. You didn't love His people. All of that, God has taken away. God has removed it. He has not just forgiven you. He has not just granted you, imputed to your spiritual account, His own righteousness. But He has also transformed you. He has changed your life at the heart level. He has changed your life at the heart level. You have spiritual eyes. You have spiritual ears. You have spiritual desires. The New Testament describes it in the terms of circumcision. I mean, so, so real is this and so profound. We could say it this way. God has circumcised your heart. He has taken away your condition in the flesh. And He has brought you into a realm that can be described by in the Spirit. You still battle with the flesh until glorification, but you're no longer in the flesh. You have a new spiritual condition. Colossians 2.11 says, In Him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Romans 2.29 says, But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the Spirit. Who did this circumcision on you? The Spirit of God. He's the one who changed you. By the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. I mean, this revolutionized your ambitions in the spiritual realm. What you now live for is not man's approval, but God's approval. That you would be pleasing to the Lord. Deuteronomy 30, verse 6 says, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, that you may live. Love for God. And all that belongs to that love is what we've been given. Desire for obedience, love for truth, conviction, confession of sin, desire for prayer, desire for holiness, love for the church. You are not spiritually blind. You are not a spiritual slave. The physical act of circumcision, Old Testament, Old Covenant, symbolized man's need for cleansing of the heart. It was the outward sign of of that cleansing of sin that comes by faith in God. At salvation, believers undergo a spiritual circumcision by putting off the sins of the flesh. This is the new birth, the new creation in conversion, the outward affirmation of the already accomplished inner transformation is now the believer's baptism by water. This is what baptism pictures as someone is being baptized, that the old man is gone and a new man stands in his place. The old life was buried together with Christ and now new life has come in his resurrection. 
Who are these people being described in verse 8? People who are pure in heart. In what sense are they pure in heart? Their hearts have been cleansed by faith, transformed by the Spirit of God. The old condition is gone. A new condition has come. And the result of that is that now these people go on pursuing that kind of purity. Pursuing having cleansed our hearts, that kind of purity. Now we have hearts that desire inward purity. In other words, what God began when he saved us continues. Pursuing that kind of purity. We will be a people who experientially pursue purity of heart. Purity at the heart level. Pursuing that kind of purity. Now some people have debated what this means when you talk about the experience of it, the application of it in our everyday lives. Some say, well, I think it refers to sincerity. Chiefly what he has in mind here is sincerity. Others say, no, it's talking about inward holiness. Others say, no, it's talking about inward integrity, singleness of heart and devotion to God, pursuing that kind of purity. Well, the answer is yes, it's all of that. It's not one of those things. The reason why that you have those camps is because the Bible speaks of each of those things. Psalm 24, verse 1, the, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein, for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. There's sincerity. Someone who is real and genuine in their love for God. Psalm 51, David's cry, verse 9, Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. What's he asking for? Inward holiness. Inward holiness. That the old man is gone and a new man stands in his place. Inward holiness. You are not spiritually blind. You are not a spiritual slave. Inward holiness. He has also transformed you. Transformed you. Inward holiness. He has changed your life at the heart level. Inward holiness. He has taken away your condition in the flesh. And he has brought you into a realm that can be described by in the spirit. Who are these people being described in verse 8? People who are pure in heart. In what sense are they pure in heart? Their hearts have been cleansed by faith transformed by the Spirit of God. The old condition is gone. A new condition has come. Transformed by the Spirit of God that the old man is gone and a new man stands in his place. The old condition is gone. A new condition has come. These people go on pursuing that kind of purity. Having cleansed our hearts, now we have hearts that desire inward purity. 
now we have hearts that desire inward purity. We will be a people who experientially pursue purity of heart. Purity at the heart level. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That the old man is gone and a new man stands in his place. Transformed by the Spirit of God. Create in me a clean heart, O God. You are not spiritually blind. You are not a spiritual slave. Create in me a clean heart, O God. James 4.8 says, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. There's that inward integrity. Unite my heart to fear your name. Let my devotion to you be single. Sincerity, holiness, undivided love. Any attempt to divide those things is futile. They're all connected. Sincerity and holiness. The dichotomy between these two options is a false one. It is impossible to have one without the other. The one who is single-minded in commitment to the kingdom and its righteousness will also be inwardly pure. Inward sham, deceit, and moral filth cannot coexist with sincere devotion to Christ. Either way, this beatitude excoriates hypocrisy. The pure in heart will see God. Now with the eyes of faith and finally in the dazzling brilliance of the beatific vision in whose light no deceit can exist. So sincere, single-hearted, Desiring holiness at the heart level. Lord, it's not just what people see that matters. It's what you alone see that matters. Lord, I want to deal with the sin in my life. Not just in the terms that people can recognize. But in the terms that I know to be my struggle when it's just me and you. I desire purity there at the heart level. Lord, I want to deal with the sin in my life. Not just in the terms that people can recognize but in the terms that I know to be my struggle when it's just me and you. Lord, I want to deal with the sin in my life. So first thing we see in the Beatitude is this speaks of a reality in the heart. Second thing we see, there's a people who've known that reality. The Lord has cleansed them at the heart level, changed them at the heart level, so that now they go on desiring purity at the heart level. And, and what I want to ask you is, do you know anything about that desire? The Lord has cleansed them at the heart level, changed them at the heart level, so that now they go on desiring purity at the heart level. Do you know anything about that desire? Do you know anything about that desire? Now they go on desiring purity at the heart level. Do you know anything about that desire? Is that you? Are you serious about pleasing God in your heart? 
Are you able to say with the psalmist, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God? Are you serious about pleasing God in your heart? Do you care about that which only God sees and knows about? Do you realize that this is where your sin problems really begin? You're dealing with something in your marriage. You're dealing with something with your children. You're dealing with something at work. You're dealing with something, name it. Friendship has been fractured. Something's going on in in your relationships. You understand it's a sin issue, and the sin issue has to be traced to its problem source, and that problem is in the heart. Are you serious about pleasing God in your heart? So that if you're going to mortify sin, you have to begin mortifying sin at its root. You have to mortify it in the realm of the heart. You think about mourning over sin. Do you, do you, do you see the connection? Do you grieve? Do you grieve over what goes on in your heart? Do you grieve over what goes on in your heart? Are you serious about pleasing God in your heart? In a way that that exists on the ground of justification by faith. I know that what I sang about this morning is absolutely true. I am welcomed by God. There is no guilt to carry. I am fully forgiven in Jesus Christ. But he didn't forgive me for me to go on in sin. But he didn't forgive me for me to go on in sin. But he didn't forgive me for me to go on in sin. He died for sins. That speaks of the seriousness of it. So he set me free to walk in righteousness. I've been joined to a new master. Slave was once my master. Now righteousness is my master. And I want to pursue righteousness in every realm of my life. And and that must begin at the heart level. So that sin has to be mortified there. What have you been dealing with lately that you and God alone know about it because it's going on in your heart? Will you submit to him right there? Will you allow him to change you right there? Third point this morning. So we're a people who pursue this. How do you pursue it? This is ongoing progressive sanctification for God's people. How do do we pursue now that ongoing purity? Our hearts have been purified. Now we desire purity at the heart level. How do you pursue that? If you want to pursue holiness at the heart level, here are four things to think about. First of all, be absolutely honest with God about your heart's condition. If you're going to pursue pursue purity at the heart level, honesty is going to be necessary. You've got to recognize that you do not see yourself perfectly. If you really want purity, you have to stop declaring yourself pure. And realize that God knows better than you know. So that you cry out with the psalmist in Psalm 139 verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Lord, would you show me what you see in me? And by the way, dear ones, God does that. Graciously for us, doesn't he? He does it patiently because if he revealed to us everything that was wrong with us at one time, it would devastate us. Or would you show me me the way you see me? By the way, also, if you really want this, you're going to stop turning a deaf ear to the means that he uses. 
Lord, would you show me me? Then 10 people come and identify a problem in your life and you say they're all wrong. Because you know you better than apparently everybody else in your life. Allow God's word to humble you. Proverbs 20 verse 6 says, Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find? You understand the point of that proverb? There are more people proclaiming their faithfulness than there are faithful people. So many a person says, I'm faithful, but I can't find faithful people. So just because you proclaim your own purity, you proclaim your own faithfulness, doesn't mean anything. That's That happens in the world all the time. Same chapter, Proverbs 20, verse 9 says this, Who can say, I've made my heart pure? I am clean from my sin. What's the answer to that question? No one. Who in this room is sinless? Who in this room has no sin issues at the heart level? Who can declare himself or herself pure? So this is going to really test whether you're found in verse 8 or not. Do you really want, do you really want purity at the heart level? So that you're willing to see things you don't see right now? You're willing to hear things you don't want to hear perhaps in your flesh? Are you willing to allow the Lord to change you? And He may be using means to do it. Are you open to those means? Lord, I want purity in the realm of my heart. And then God and the people that love us and love Him identifies things in our life that need to change and we keep proclaiming our own purity. It's a dangerous condition. Second recommendation Kent Hughes gave is this. Acknowledge that only God can make your heart pure. That is, we're we're not called to passivity. Sanctification involves effort, but it is dependent effort. Sanctification involves effort, Sanctification involves effort. It involves effort. But it is dependent effort. I'm going to do what God tells me to do in His Word, but at the end of all of that effort, knowing that God's working through those means, I'm looking for you, the the, the living God, to change my heart. Sanctification is a synergistic process, but it is a supernatural process. So we're involved, we work, we make decisions, we make application, but it is by the Spirit and with the Word that our lives are transformed. But it is by the Spirit and with the Word that our lives are transformed. It's not just natural. It's not It's not activity in and fruit out. It is dependent Pursuit of the living God, fellowship with God, and the Spirit of God produces the fruit. So I, I must know my dependence. By the way, when you when you get that, it will save you from some artificial attempt to purify yourself. What happens sometimes is, even with believers, we recognize that we're struggling in an area. We recognize that sin is in our life. So what do we do? We, we think that maybe purity will come by asceticism. I mean, by self-denial, I'll just deny myself, deny myself, deny myself. And and that will produce purity. Or we begin to rely on isolationism. The problem's outside, apparently. 
It's not in my heart. It's outside. So if I just, you know, sever myself from everything that might be influencing me, then then purity will be the product or just sheer effort. I'm just going to try harder. I think about first Corinthians 13, verse three. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. If you don't have what the Lord gives, which is love, then all your activity and all your effort will be meaningless. So it is in this realm. I must trust the Lord even as I take the steps that he would have me to take. The biblical balance is I must do everything I can and still realize that it's not enough. Only God can make my heart pure. The biblical balance is I must do everything I can and still realize that it's not enough. Only God can make my heart pure. So Lord, help me. Third, fill yourself with God's word. I'm going to be honest, Lord, before you. I, I, it's going to be painful. It's going, it's going to mean a painful kind of self-honesty. But I want you to purify me at the heart level. And only you can do it. But Lord, how have you chosen to do it? Answer, with his word. So I'm going to saturate my life with your word. Jesus said to his disciples, John 15, verse 3, Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Or Ephesians 5.25, which says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. This is why the public worship service is so important. This is why the preaching of the word of God is so important. What, what is it? It's a washing that takes place on a regular basis as the word of God is exposited. God's people are being cleansed by the word that they're hearing. This is why the preaching of the Word of God is so important. What, what is it? It's a washing that takes place on a regular basis as the Word of God is exposited. God's people are being cleansed by the Word that they're hearing. God's people are being cleansed by the Word that they're hearing. So if I desire to live in a way that pleases God, let me, let me make my way according to His Word. I want to give you a warning about, about your flesh, however. The pure word of God can be used in unclean ways. The pure word of God taken into the hands of uncircumcised people, spiritually uncircumcised people, has been twisted and misused in ways that bring great harm. Second Peter 3.16, talking about the difficulty of Paul's letters he says, as he does in all his letters, when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. So saturated with God's word, yes, but with the word rightly understood, with the word of God rightly understood, rightly divided, rightly used. Because now we're learning the word that's going to be applied to our lives that will bring about that purity that we desire. So honesty before God, dependence on God, filling myself with God's word. What, what else if I desire heart purity? Well, focus on your future. Think about, Hughes put it this way, think about what you will be in eternity. Think about what you will be in eternity. He says you and I are going to be transformed at the Visio Dei, that is the vision of God, into the likeness of Christ. This is the most stupendous thing we could ever be told. This is our purifying hope. That, that one day, close quote, that one day we're going to see our Lord. We sang about it this morning. We're going to see him face to face. 
How do I want to meet him? First John 3, 2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Purifies himself as he is pure. Show me a people who truly are looking for the day when they'll see Jesus face to face and I'll show you a people who are purifying themselves. Because Jesus is pure. So a reality, God produced, grace produced in the heart, a people who have actually come to know that reality, God has purified them in their hearts, a spiritual circumcision, a new birth. The old condition is gone. New creation has come. They desire, therefore, purity in an ongoing way. And they understand it's purity at the heart level. They're not hypocrites living for the eyes of men, but living for the pleasure of God. And therefore, they're willing to take the steps necessary to experience that ongoing purification. And that experience is one of honesty before God and dependency upon God and scripture saturation and eyes that are fixed on our future when one day we'll see Jesus face to face. Show me a people who truly are looking for the day when they'll see Jesus face to face and I'll show you a people who are purifying themselves. Because Jesus is pure. Fourth point. The hope Of the pure in heart. What is the hope of such people? Blessed are the pure in heart. Here's our hope. For they shall see God. When? When will they see God? Now. And in the future. Now. And forever. What do you mean we'll see God now? Well, the eyes of your heart have been opened. And now you recognize who God is, and therefore you recognize his hand in every part of your life. And you live your life with him before your heart's vision. You live with a desire to please him. You live with a desire that's driven by the knowledge that one day you'll be with him forever in body and soul. How do you make the kinds of choices that the saints are are making in Hebrews 11. How do you make those kinds of choices? By faith. And what is faith? It's a kind of sight. It's a kind of sight. It's seeing that the truth is the truth. That God is God. That the world is His. That everything going on in your life has a purpose. And so those who are pure in heart, who have experienced the new birth and desire to please God in all their ways. These these were people who see God in every realm of their lives. But the primary promise here, I believe, is future. That is, one day we're going to see God in a way we never have. By sight. We will see God. How will you see Him who is invisible? Well, we'll certainly see Him in the face of Jesus. One day we'll see God in the face of Jesus Christ. 
But there seems to be throughout the scripture some indication. Remember, there, there are times when God manifested his presence to people. Not people seeing God in his essence. That's impossible. But seeing what God revealed of himself to people. And one day there's a vision of God coming for the people who've been purified in heart. The very being of God is so transcendent and eternal that all our efforts to arrive at an understanding are doomed at the very outset to failure. Scripture itself, it seems to me, I say it with reverence, does not attempt to give us an adequate conception of the being of God. Why? Because I wouldn't, by the way, I wouldn't have used the word adequate. I would say exhaustive. But this is what he said. Why? Because of the glory of God. Our terms are so inadequate. And our minds are so small and finite. That there's a danger in any attempt at a description of God and his glory. All we know is that there is this glorious promise that in some way or other the pure in heart shall see God. Does that promise belong to you? Has the Lord changed you? In your heart. Declared you right with himself. Yes. Forgiven all your sins. Praise the Lord. Yes. But has he made you a new creation? Have you experienced the circumcision of heart that results in an ongoing desire for a pure life at the heart level? Has the Lord changed you in your heart? Do you mourn? Have you been humbled to the point that you mourn over sin and as a result you mourn over the condition of your own heart? Only what God knows and you know and you're grieved by it. And you're asking the Lord to change you. Can I, can I give you this? This is not just a great promise. It's also a great warning. Because it's only these people who will see God. No one else will. Not in the way being described. In fact, Hebrews 12, 14 says this. Strive for peace with everyone. And for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Has the Lord changed you in your heart? There is a holiness that characterizes saved people. And if you don't know that holiness, you do not belong to the people who will one day see the Lord. Has the Lord changed you in your heart? Will you see God? Will you see Jesus face to face as Savior? Or will you one day hear those awful words depart from me? You workers of iniquity, I never knew you. Has the Lord changed you in your heart? How can you be saved from the tragic situation of being religiously busy but lost? Sincerely religiously busy but lost. Hypocritically religiously busy but lost. You'll be saved from it when you recognize that God saves sinners. God explains his people. God produces his people. There is a kind of person who's known for godliness, but they deny its power.
They have a reputation for godliness, but they've never known the power of God to transform a life. And when you recognize that that reality exists and you don't want that to be you, so that you cry out to God from a heart that realizes the need for transformation, that's how you're rescued from such tragedy. May the Lord grant that to someone today. And may everyone who's experienced this purity of heart give God praise. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your grace and mercy to us in your Son. That you have cleansed our hearts and you're at work cleansing our hearts and our lives progressively as we pursue you on the ground of faith, on the ground of justification. I do pray, Lord, for anyone in this room who is religious but lost. May they recognize that by your grace this day, may their eyes be opened. And may they look to Christ and Christ alone for this wondrous salvation that you offer to sinners in your Son. And may every believer in this place, Lord, begin afresh and anew dealing with our sins in a way that recognizes the seriousness of those sins and in a way that recognizes the source of those sins. Not something external to us, but what's going on within us. And may we desire purity there. And may you produce it in an ongoing, progressive way, from glory to glory into the image of your Son, as we walk by faith, by your Spirit, in your Word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.